Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison with Jay Madison's Rural America. And uh, for most of you, you're probably used to hearing uh, my co-host in the background or my co-hosts, Ron Robbins and Al Waltz. But uh, I gave them the day off uh, because of the holidays. Not that they get paid anyways, but uh, we decided to give them the day off. Uh, We've got a a great interview coming up for you. Uh, So I encourage you to uh, stay tuned in because uh, this is actually going to be a global issue that can drill down right here to good old uh, northern New York. So uh, uh, stay tuned as we go through this, folks. But uh, before I introduce our guest, I just want to frame what's going on out there. Some of you may have heard about it, some may not. But uh, in the Netherlands, uh, over in uh, northern central Europe, uh, the government has proposed some pretty pretty tough uh, changes in the agricultural industry. Uh, they're trying to deal with, if you read the articles, they're trying to deal with uh, climate change. Um, but it is actually, more, as, as our guest will tell us, it, it's not just climate change. It's actually water quality issues and so on that they're trying to uh, help the agricultural industry uh, adjust to. So anyways, uh, in the Netherlands, they've proposed changes that uh, could potentially, by the year 2030, just a you know, very short, really seven years away, uh, could reduce the number of uh, livestock uh, in the country of the Netherlands by 30%. So think about that, folks. If, if there were a thousand livestock, let's say dairy cows, by the year 2030, they would reduce those down to 700 animals. So it's a fairly significant uh, change. And it has uh, the Dutch farmers and actually farmers across the globe pretty riled up because, uh, you know, that is a, a significant change in the agricultural industry being imposed by the government of the Netherlands. So let's talk quickly about Netherlands agriculture. It, uh, you know, we have a very strong agricultural industry here in Northern New York and New York State as a whole. The Netherlands agricultural industry is huge. They're the second largest Uh, producer of food in the world, uh, second only to the United States. And so um, agriculture is a huge part of their economy. It's a huge part of their their country. The Netherlands, the country of the Netherlands, is about 16,000 square miles. That's small. That basically fits into northern New York State between Interstate 81 and Interstate 87, north of the thruway, south of the Canadian border. So basically a little bit bigger than the Adirondack uh, uh, region. So it's a pretty small country, uh, but their production is huge. Uh, Just as an example, they produce uh, a a ton of milk. Um, Let's see, I'm trying to find my stat here. I believe it's around 30 billion pounds of milk per year. Uh, produced by that small region. 
Here in Jefferson, Lewis, and St. Lawrence counties, uh, we produce about 2 billion pounds of milk per year. Uh, the, uh, the amount of milk produced in New York State, as an example, is, uh, let's see, I think I, uh, I think I had it at around 15 billion pounds. So that, that gives you a little bit of a comparison. Netherlands, you know, a part of New York State, smaller than New York State, produces 30 billion pounds of milk per year. Uh, all of New York State produces half of that, about 15 billion pounds. So the Netherlands is a huge agricultural producing area. They feed a lot of the world. And so what happens in the Netherlands uh, potentially is going to ripple out across the globe and impact other, uh, other areas of the globe, impact food supplies, impact how other countries look at agriculture and regulate uh, agriculture. So to talk about this issue, rather than me just rambling on about politics and you know what we think here in Northern New York, uh, I've actually been very fortunate to bring in somebody who we interv- interviewed for a webinar, uh, which you can access on YouTube. Just uh, search my name, Jay Madison. Just look for my channel and you'll find the uh, webinar right on my channel. Back in the year 2020, during uh, the pandemic, we were very fortunate to do a webinar with Dr. Frank Mitlerner, uh, who is known as the greenhouse gas guru on social media. Uh, But more importantly, he is a professor and air quality specialist in uh, cooperative extension in the Department of Animal Science at the University of California, Davis. And uh, Dr. Mitlerner has joined us today uh, to share his knowledge and research and everything that he has learned over the years uh, about how animal agriculture uh, impacts our climate and uh, to share some uh, scientific data with us. So uh, we're really uh, appreciative to have you uh, back with us uh, here, Dr. Mitlerner, uh, and to talk about this very important issue. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. Well, we uh, we really appreciate it. And as as I said off the air, um, you know, especially on relatively short notice, I know you're booked up uh, with speaking engagements and all of the research that you do. Um, so, you know, I, I getting you to do this was huge and very appreciated. So, Dr. Mitlerner, I, I shared with the audience a little bit about what's happening in the ne- Netherlands. Can you, can you shed any more light on what is being proposed and how big of an issue this is over there? Yeah, so in, uh, the, United, in the European Union, uh, there are directives. So these are uh, directives that come from the European Commission, and they apply to all member countries, including um, the Netherlands. Uh, one of the directives, the so-called nitrogen directive, prescribes to each membership country how much nitrogen they can emit. Nitrogen is something that uh, really originates with the protein that you feed to livestock. Some of that protein is used by the animals, and a lot of it is excreted in okay. the urine and feces. In the urine and feces, and once that nitrogen is excreted, it can go into different type of pollutants. Some affect air, some affect water, and some affect climate. And so, uh, this nitrogen that animals excrete can become, for example, ammonia or it can become nitrate, the groundwater pollutant, 
or it can become a greenhouse gas called nitrous oxide. And the country of the Netherlands wants to reduce one-third of all nitrogen emissions, but rather than going to all sectors of society that produce nitrogen emissions, they have singled out agriculture. And here, If, if, if I can just... I apologize for interrupting, but I, I, I want to pick up on that point real quick. So you just said that um, rather than going to all of their industries, they've just focused on agriculture uh, for yes. this. Yes. Yes. Because imagine this. They, have, they are allowed to, to produce a certain amount of nitrogen emissions in that country. And so rather than spreading it out across all sectors, they said, no, let's focus in on animal agriculture. And they have done the math. And the math said that if they shut down a third of the Dutch livestock farms, a third of the Dutch livestock farms, then that will get them there. And so they have, as a result, put out 25 billion, that's a B, billion euros to make that happen, to buy these one-third of all farmers out of farming. If you, and now take that, if okay. you take it, and if you say, yes, I agree, I will receive market price and leave my farm, then you have to sign that you will never become a farmer again, and neither will your kids. Wow. I have never heard anything like this in my life. Wow. So... <laughs> I've got it before we talk about that. I've got to go back to the question, why just agriculture? Why are they just, I mean, that's their food. That's their economy. Aren't there other easier ways to reduce nitrogen issues in their country? Yes. The reason why they do this is because they need um, nitrogen nitrogen credits to be used elsewhere. So, for example, if they want to build roads and if they want to build residential encroachments and if they want to build factories, then they need a certain amount of allowances for that. And uh, in order to get them, they need to take something else out. And that's something else what they want to take out is agriculture. You know, um, I'm trying to avoid getting myself into um, the politics of this, but you know, my co-host Ron Robbins has has you know privately been telling me that he's afraid that a lot of this climate change and other environmental issues that the people who will pay the price for all of this is going to be our farmers because our farmers operate very small businesses in general, um, and it's easier to impact them than it is to go after some of our larger corporations and so on. That's political. Not saying that's true or not, but boy, it just made his argument sound awfully um, uh, fact-based. I just, I, uh, forgive me for that. Well, let me, um, let me chime in on this one. Sure. Um, does it affect the farmers? Of course it does. But, in the end, it affects everyone because what farmers do, and we have to remind your listeners, what farmers do is produce all the food we all consume. Right. And so if we get rid of a third of our farmers, guess what happens to your food? Guess <laughs> what happens to the food prices? Guess what happens when farmers in the world's most productive 
farming countries, if they leave farming, what will happen to the demand for the products that they use to produce? The demand will continue to exist and will be, will be satisfied by farmers in other parts of the world that are less efficient, well, that uh, have lower uh, standards. And that's I was reading that, you know, some of these Dutch farmers are already moving to other countries to start farming there. Yep. Yeah, well, yes, that's true. Um, but what also happens is that, let's say, the Dutch or the Irish or others were to shut down a third of their farms. Because this discussion is now going on in different parts of the world, not just in the Netherlands. Um, then, because the demand continues to exist other parts of the world will take over, let's say Brazil or Mexico or China. And in those countries, uh, the environmental standards are much lower, the emissions are much higher, and uh, this is a process called leakage. You shut down industries in one country that's the most productive, the most efficient, that has the highest environmental standards. You shut those down, and then they pop up in other parts of the world that are less efficient have higher emissions. And that's a process called leakage, overall leading not to less, but to more emissions. A greenhouse gas, for example, like a methane molecule or a nitrous oxide molecule, doesn't really care whether it's emitted in one country or another. These are global acting gases. And so overall, this is not a good idea, in my opinion. Well, that's, I, I, I was going to ask you that, it, you know, do you think this is smart of the Dutch government to to impact their their food supply, their economy so drastically like this is going to do? It you know, I understand we all want to be good environmental stewards, but wow, by 2030 they're going to reduce their their animal agriculture industry by 30% basically. Yeah, well, give me, let, me, let me give you an example. Sure, so sure, I, sure. Live, I, live, I, live, I live in California, and many of your listeners will know that California is probably uh, the first to adopt strict environmental and other standards. Right. Uh, in, the, in the area of methane, the greenhouse gas methane, that's not different. We have the first law in the country that mandates that by the year 2030, our farms need to reduce methane by 40%, for zero. At first, the responses of our farmers were like the responses of the farmers in the Netherlands who are dealing with nitrogen. Mm -hmm. But our farmers here in California were kind of blessed because the state did something, a public policy procedure that, uh, that was very different from what the Netherlands do. Namely, the state decided to get uh, to their 40% reduction goal by using not the cane approach of rules, regulations, and fines, but the carrot approach of financially incentivizing reductions of methane. And what that means is that the state, in, the state of California has taken money at hand to partner with the dairy industry to cover lagoons and trap the gases, to do other things. And um, so far, and it has always only been a few years, our farmers have jumped on these opportunities, have covered their lagoons, have reduced manure emissions, and have achieved 30%, 3-0, of their methane goal already. Already? We, we will achieve the 40% reduction goal that's mandated by the state in a way that follows a carrot approach and not a cane approach. 
And if you ask me, that is precisely the way we should go. Well, we need I, to work with our farmers and not against them. I would agree with you 100%, sir. Um, you know, I am... <laughs> I look at New York State and New York State, you know, they're they're supporting alternative energy development, which there is a need to de- develop renewable energy sources, but they're they're missing opportunities to have a broader environmental impact if they did the same thing as California, for example, and provided better incentives and supported our dairy farms that have you know, a, a big enough population of livestock and uh, the number of dairy cows on their farm uh, to develop these uh, covered manure storage structures, as you're saying, and generate uh, electricity through anaerobic digesters. Man, it, that's cow power. You know, we've got a couple examples here in nor- northern New York where farms have tried this. And yeah, they got some grants, but they really didn't get a lot of support from the state. We missed this opportunity significantly to support agriculture, to support dairy farming, which is huge here in New York, by not investing in more cow power, more anaerobic digesters, covering the manure storage structures, and so on, helping the farms through you, like you say, with incentives versus punishing uh, farms like we're doing with labor regulations and minimum wage you know, changes and so on. So, yeah, I, I want to get us back to, and believe me, I'm, I'm on board with you completely, Dr. Mittlerner, but I want to get us back to uh, the, the Netherlands situation because I can absolutely see this rippling into the United States. Um, will they, by 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 doing what they're doing, do you think they'll make that big of an impact on uh, the the nitrogen issues in that country? Um, the question is difficult to answer because I don't know how many people will take the offer. So the government has told the farmers, you have a window of opportunity And during this window of opportunity, you can take our offer to give you market price for your farms. After that window of opportunity has closed, you will no longer get that. We will force you out. I mean, they're dead serious. I don't know how they can do this in a democratic uh, country like the Netherlands, just force people um, to stop doing what they do. Um, (laughs) I mean, just imagine that were to happen here. I mean, you would just tell people you have to close your farms. That's unthinkable, right? That's well, their property. That's their profession. I, I'm not saying it's unthinkable anymore, sir. I, I apologize uh, yeah. to anybody that no, takes I, offense to that, but I don't no, think no, it's I unthinkable. No, I hope you're right, but uh, but it would it would there would be very high hurdles, right? Yeah, to yeah, take absolutely. people's property away and and tell them they can no longer uh, perform their profession. That would take some very high constitutional barriers here. Yeah. But anyhow. But anyhow, so we don't know how many farmers will take that offer. In the Netherlands today, there are tens of thousands of tractors blocking the streets, distribution centers, government buildings, and so on. The farmers are upset to the extreme. And um, and uh, there are huge clashes going on. The public at large supports the farmers, not the government. No? The the, the situation in the Netherlands is currently one where a farmer's p- 
party called BBB has risen to be now the second most popular party in the Netherlands. So I think that the government of the Netherlands might have uh, not really foreseen what uh, the results of such a policy could be. So I am not convinced that they will get to what they want. Uh, I'm not convinced at all. Okay. Okay. Well, that, it'll be interesting to see how this progresses. And and as you reflected on, I've heard about protests, uh, solidarity ro- protests in countries all over Europe and even into Canada, um, protesting what the Dutch government is proposing to do to uh, their their livestock operation. You know, one other crazy question is: This will sound crazy, but are they going to slaughter all those cows? And you know, and then what happens to meat prices, and how does that ripple across the globe? Uh, because if you're slaughtering all those cows at once, there's going to be a whole lot of meat on the market, and that is going to drive down prices uh, globally. So. You know, it's kind of crazy, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch this. So let me tell you, uh, let me tell you this. Sure, I sure. Do think, I do think that there is a larger agenda at stake here. Um, and I'm not a conspiracy kind of person normally. No. But um, I do see that particularly in the Netherlands, and there are several other countries too, uh, there are policymakers that really want to force us to change what we eat mm. away from animal source foods toward more plant-based foods. Um, there are lots of discussions. There are policies drafted uh, to make public buildings plant-based in their menu choices, uh, universities plant-based, to have entire universities go vegan, uh, administrative buildings uh, be plant-based, and so on. So, And I see a lot of that in the Netherlands and in other European countries. And coming from a European country myself, from Germany, um, I can tell you that uh, there's method behind it. Um, if you have a policy that says a third of all livestock farmers have to stop doing what they do, of course it will increase prices. And I think that many people like that idea because mm. they want to force people to consume less animal source foods. So I do think that there's method behind it, and I do think that members of the government in the Netherlands are of the opinion that we need to force people to eat less animal source foods because they won't do it uh, by their own choosing. Hmm. We actually, uh, and maybe I have this not completely 100%, uh, but we actually have seen this at least talked about in the New York City School District that uh, the menu at least one day a week will go to plant-based, uh, no yep. no meat products on it, which yep. you know I, I believe is just an introduction of yep. that agenda. So, um, precisely. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you. This is very very frustrating, and I'm I'm imagining the farmers that are listening to this right now are, are not not too happy. Um. So another question I want to ask you, this is going to take us in a little bit different direction, but I think it's important to talk about this for the general public that's listening to this uh, podcast right now. Does agriculture have any positive effect on 
greenhouse gases? Is there are there things that agriculture contributes to uh, reducing the amount of greenhouse gases uh, that are impacting climate change? Well, that's a very good and very important question. Now, the main greenhouse gas, and again, in the Netherlands, the discussion is more around nitrogen in general. But now let's focus on greenhouse gas, on those gases that heat up our planet, okay? Of the main greenhouse gases that exist, the main greenhouse gas around animal agriculture is methane. Right. We hear all about it. (laughs) I know, yeah. And, And what's special about methane is I call methane the fast and furious. Furious because it has a good punch to it, meaning it can uh, trap a lot of heat from the sun. It is more powerful in trapping heat than, let's say, CO2, carbon dioxide. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about methane is is that there is a process that kills methane molecules. Mm -hmm. And uh, this process kills methane after about a decade, and then that gas is gone. And... um, Methane is different from the other greenhouse gases in so far that if you learn, if you first of all maintain it, if you don't increase it over time, but you maintain it by, let's say, having a constant cattle herd, you're maintaining the methane at constant levels. If you have a constant source of methane, then an equal amount of methane that's produced is also destroyed. This process is called oxidation. It's also destroyed. So a constant source of methane does not cause increasing additional warming, okay? okay? If you, however, if you, however, manage to reduce methane, then you can reduce warming. And because methane is the main greenhouse gas from agriculture, we have the ability to reduce warming if we reduce methane. How can we do that? First of all, manure management. What I described before happening here in California is the aggressive installation of these anaerobic digesters. We now have over 200. Uh, Five years ago, we had maybe 10. Um, In the next five years, half of all our manure here in the state will go into digesters. That's awesome. And produce uh, transportation fuels for heavy-duty trucks and buses and so on. So that's one avenue. Um, Methane reductions from manure storages. The second one is that we can feed feed additives to cattle and other livestock and change the so-called enteric methane. That's the methane that's belched out of their front ends. And here at UC Davis and other places, we have found feed additives that can reduce anywhere between 10 to 30% of methane coming out of the front end of these animals. Most of these additives that we have looked at are either price neutral or the producer can even make additional income because reducing methane emissions reduces unwanted losses of energy. So meaning um, some of those additives don't cost additional money. They actually make the farmer additional money while reducing methane. But now comes the main thing. If we reduce methane, then we reduce warming. If we reduce methane aggressively, I mean really aggressively by 30%, maybe even 40%, then we are offsetting the warming impacts of all other sources from agriculture, from animal agriculture, getting our industries to a point of climate neutrality, meaning we can and we will have a dairy sector in California, which within the next less than 10 years time frame will be climate neutral, not cause any additional warming because of these methane reductions that we are working on. So, 
if we go beyond that part of that point of climate neutrality, if we go beyond it, then we generate what's called negative warming. And negative warming is a fancy word for cooling. And we can send those, we can sell those credits that we generate to other industries that can't do what we can do, that cannot reduce warming. For example, the fossil fuel sector, transportation sector, and so on. That's already happening today. We have farms that sell their carbon credits to other takers like BMW or Chevron or you name it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yes, animal agriculture can be, not just can it be part of a climate solution, it will be part of a climate solution. But for that to happen, we have to work with our farmers and not against them. In my opinion, what is happening in the Netherlands is a travesty. I really feel that way because farmers are as important as healthcare providers, doctors and nurses in uh, maintaining in providing a strategic function to our countries. And by taking them out and telling them you can never do your profession again, we are, um, we are seriously hampering um, some of the most fundamental parts of our, of our, of our countries. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you couldn't say that any more uh, clearly. It's critical to maintain our agricultural industries to, number one, be able to feed our own people and then to generate economic uh, 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 growth uh, through the sale of those products, both domestically and then internationally. And, and then you think about the, the, the food crisis that's occurring around the world. We need to be able to feed the people of the world, and taking yes. out farms is not the answer to that. Um, Correct. Uh, a lot of information there, Dr. Mitlerner. Uh, very appreciated, sir. So just to quickly summarize uh, what we talked about, we talked about the uh, what's happening in the Netherlands, that uh, the Dutch government has proposed to reduce animal agriculture roughly, to put this in rough terms, by 30%, uh, to reduce yeah. their nitrogen emissions uh, uh, from animal agriculture. Yes. It's going to have a global impact. Um, that seems to be uh, the case. And correct me if I've said that wrong. Um, no, you're right. And then you're saying that this is not a good idea. Did I Have I summarized that correctly? Well, not a good idea because it doesn't work as well. Look, every, every, every one of your listeners who has kids at home knows that if you could use the carrot rather than the cane approach – you'll be much better served. And you will actually get what you need. Uh, the cane approach doesn't work well. Okay? People don't like uh, rules, regulations, and fines. If they can be incentivized to change a behavior, then they should be incentivized. We need to work with our farmers and not against them. So the California model, for once, for once, has really worked. <laughs> I like that emphasis, sir. <laughs> Uh, it, it sounds like it's working, and I, I wish we were doing more here in New York State to incentivize uh, uh, using our cow manure to generate electricity. I think there's opportunities we are missing. Um, but what have we missed, sir? We need to uh, wrap up. Uh, what have we missed? What, what piece of information have we not communicated to our listeners? Well, unfortunately, it's not just the Netherlands. Uh, in Ireland, uh, similar discussions are happening. There are more around greenhouse gases. 
uh, in New Zealand, uh, they have just started to tax farmers for methane uh, that is emitted by livestock. There are many examples uh, that are using the cane approach, and I really uh, feel uh, sorry for those for those farmers. And I do advise the governments in those countries against it. But we'll see uh, whether or not they are willing to change. I hope that some of them will if they look uh, across the ocean uh, to places like California, because if you can make the changes that you seek and at the same time help the farmers that make those changes make additional income, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why would there is an, another agenda out there, but <laughs> we won't uh, yeah. we won't dwell on that anymore at this point. Uh, folks, we've been talking with Dr. Fr- Frank Mitlerner. He is a professor and air quality specialist in cooperative extension at the Department of Animal Science at UC Davis. He shares his knowledge and research uh, domestically and internationally with his students, scientists, farmers. Ranchers, policymakers, and the public at large. He's also the director of the CLEAR Center, which has two different core operations, research and communications. Uh, Dr. Mitlerner can be found on social media. He is called the Greenhouse Gas Guru. Uh, You can find him on Twitter. He's prolific on Twitter with information and details and, and conversations about animal agriculture's contributions and impacts on the environment. And uh, Dr. Mitlerner, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you very much, sir. And I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a happy holiday. And folks, if you don't happen to catch uh, another show before the holidays, we hope all of you have a wonderful holiday, holiday season and appreciate you tuning in here to Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.